This is podcast. You're gonna hear us jerk off the movie, as I said. You think this is funny? Yeah. Is this funny? (laughs) (laughs) Now this is podcasting. Bro, you fell asleep in the movie theater during that. Now this is podcasting. I can appreciate the attempt of what they did. Now this is podcast. Was that the scene with the with the little girls and the little girls? Why couldn't Superman spot that bomb? It was fucking covered in lead, bro. There you go. Now this is podcast. I saw his asshole fly through his mouth. Hell yeah, man. Now this is podcast. I'm Sam, today's episode we're going to talk about the Django Unchained. We're not talking about movies. Well, as, uh, as Joe so eloquently put it, I am Shem, and uh, today we are talking about movies. Um, this is the second part of our Quentin Tarantino extravaganza. I don't know what you want to call it. What, what would you call it? What would you call it, Joe? What you've been doing with Tarantino movies? Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know what else to describe it. You've just been watching Tarantino movies. I think they call it a marathon. Yeah, you're right. I guess I have been marathoning Tarantino flicks. I'm probably going to start watching... Um, I started watching Kill Bill tonight just for shits and gigs because I haven't watched. It's been so long since I've watched a Tarantino movie aside from like these last couple of days. You watch every Tarantino movie. No, I'm getting there, though. I'm getting there, though. Let's see. We started this all on Saturday. Today's Monday, the 21st. And on Saturday, I watched uh, Reservoir Dogs with Mike. We talked about that. And then that turned into a conversation of what do we think is Tarantino's best movie? And like, you know, and then even what is our favorite Tarantino movie? Because I think there's a difference there. Uh, at least there can be. Like, <laughs> Stop with the nuance. Well, I'm just saying, I, you know, I think I think there is. It's like Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Like, I think the Dark Knight is the best Batman movie, but it's not my favorite. Which one's your favorite? Batman Begins? No, Batman Forever. Out of just Batman oh. movies, Batman Forever is my favorite. Val Kilmer, Nicole Kidman, Chris O'Donnell. Motherfucking Jim Carrey, Tommy Lee Jones. They did replace Billy D. Williams though with uh, with Tommy Lee Jones, which was like kind of weird, you know, because he uh, Billy D. Williams played Harvey Dent in the um, Tim Burton Batman movies, his first two with Michael Keaton. Um, so then, what was yesterday? Sunday. So I watched Inglorious Bastards yesterday and Jackie Brown. Then I watched uh, Django today, and I've seen Django before. Uh, but I had never seen Jackie Brown or Inglorious Bastards. Um, and honestly, I think at this point, I'm trying to think of what Quentin, other Quentin Tarantino movies. His best movie is the same movie for me as my favorite movie, which is Django. Django is the ultimate story of uh, uh, redemption. Uh, it's my favorite. <laughs> I think uh, accurately shows... Uh, um, I guess the mindset of a racist in the, in, you know, prior to the civil war, although as um, you know, there's certainly reflections of modern racism that stem from that movie, that line. And we talked about it before that line where uh, the dogs are ripping apart the guy who was running away after Django's like, no, kill that motherfucker. You know, he's like, I don't care. He's like, he's not worth a good fighter. We're worth good fighting money. And uh, you know, Christoph uh, Waltz character Schultz, is <laughs> like looking away and uh, I can't remember. I think it's candy. I think Leonardo DiCaprio's character is like uh, something wrong with your boss over there. And he goes, uh, he's looking kind of green. 
yeah, that's the line. He's looking kind of green. And he's like, uh, and he's just not used to Americans like I am. And man, like, what a great line to show a reflection. That's like that. that that's not isolated for the 1850s. That line is supposed to reflect even modern America. But even yeah. like, and even the economy of that, because, you know, a lot of people think that slave owners were like everywhere and everyone owned slaves. But the reality is owning another human being is very expensive. It costs a lot of money to do that. Uh, so logic speaks to that only people who can afford it, because most people can, can't even take care of themselves, to be honest, throughout history, right? American history. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, you have to be uh, pretty wealthy. And most people wouldn't just have one slave. That's a little silly. You have to have a bunch of slaves. And to do that, you have to be extremely grossly rich. Yeah. Which shows that the top 1% are the only people who own slaves. Yeah. So I was going to say, I can't remember. So Joe and I, uh, for context, Joe and I were, we went to undergrad together. We were both history majors. Um, And I can't remember what class it was that I took. It might have been one. It was either a class with Dr. McIntyre or Dr. Baker, because they both did like that early, you know, American history. Stuff. I feel like it was Dr. McIntyre that was talking about it, though. Sheila McIntyre, shout out to her. That's what she was saying in, in the one class was that um, only 1% of the population in the South during that era, like, owned a lot of slaves. Like, those big plantations that we just assume, like, every person in the South owned is not the case at all. It was literally only 1% of the population. And I was thinking, too, about that scene in Django you were talking about it the other day, where, like, the white farmhands at the the Candyland uh, plantation. You know, they live in squalor. They have this, like, little fucking hut. But to them, like, they're fucking living, living large, you know, because they're not slaves. They're not... You know, they yeah, have that's this all they extra... Have. That's literally all they have. You know, they, they share... <laughs> that's all they have. The minimal power that they have is enough to yeah. satisfy them into complacency in their shitty situation. It's amazing. It's astounding. And it's especially like when you compare how they live to even like how Sam Jackson's character, Steve lives, who lives much better than those people. Yeah. <laughs> Literally he actually gets to live in the big house and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll, we will talk about Steve a lot. Steve is such a good character. He's absolutely despicable. The worst character Tarantino has ever created garbage human being. Um, but yeah, I mean, he lives better than, than, uh, than those than those white people do in the movie, but just because they have that little bit of power, and I once again reflections a good story uh, is able to hold a mirror to society and be able to pull it up. And we we right before we started this, we're like, yeah, this is I don't is this going to get political? And it's not political. It's just reality. It's how it is. And the people who are still racist and use those slurs and those can have that kind of mentality hold on to something that's really not there. It's a facade of some of of, of a perspective that someone else created that you latch on to because you have minimal power. I mean, it's pretty sad when you, when you think about it. Yeah, Jenga's so good. I, I had only seen that movie once. Sorry, yeah? Any movie that has killing of slave owners is like automatically gets four stars, four to five stars. Just that's the base minimum for any movie that kills slave owners. Uh, so Jenga definitely gets a little bit of a bump because of that, but it's all around just a great story of redemption uh, of a mm-hmm. guy who literally had is um, starts and with revenge nothing. too. Yeah, it is a revenge story, which is but in, in, in it, what's good about that is in a revenge story, there needs to be sacrifice at some level, and Schultz is the sacrificial lamb for that. He he has to go because it's a revenge. He gets revenge in his revenge. He dies. He didn't have to. He redeemed. You know, he's he's able to save uh, Broomhilda uh, with Django. 
and they're able to go about their merry way. But he gets his revenge, and his revenge cost him his life. So I, I think Tarantino does a great job of understanding themes in movies, and uh, he knocks it out of the park, man. Mm-hmm. To be to be able to take a theme and show that there's consequences to actions. And my favorite part, we discussed this before, and I'll say that a thousand times because we talk a lot. Uh, in that scene, you want Schultz to kill Leo's character. He, you want him to kill Candy because he's despicable. Like He's like, he fucking gets called mm-hmm. Monsieur Candy, can't speak a word of French. He's an absolute idiot. He gets outsmarted by, uh, by Sam Jackson's character the whole time, unbeknownst to him. And you want him to fucking die. And you don't want Schultz to die because you like Schultz. Schultz has, has you know, opened the door for Django to be like, hey, you are your own person. Be your own person. Here are the tools that I have. I will share my tools with you. But ultimately, you are your own person. You make your own decisions. The exact exact opposite of Candy, who chooses what Sam Jackson wears. You know, th- that contrast between those that pair is really great because Sam Jackson literally wears what Leo tells him to wear, acts how he's being told to act, is not is told to be someone who he isn't. And that's exposed at the end when the limp that uh, Sam Jackson's character has turns out to be fake. Mm-hmm. It's like so it's like what a contrast uh, and, and great visual. But uh, you want him, you don't want Schultz to die. But you no. want him to kill Candy. No, which is funny because when I watched *Inglorious Bastards, Bastards*, I wanted Christoph Waltz's character to die, um, and he doesn't. And he no, he doesn't. Worse. Yeah, and he's yeah, he's way worse in that movie. Like he's a, he's an actual villain. Like he's the villain of that movie. Is uh, is Christoph Waltz? So like, he's a good so actor. Good, I want I want him in every movie to ever come out after this. To play to be the ultimate evil and to be the ultimate good in two different movies and to, and to like really because you love Schultz in that movie and you absolutely hate him, hate hate uh, um, Waltz's character in Inglorious Bastards like despise him, like he wastes that whole family's time in the in that opening scene. He knows where she is and like he knows what's going on and yet he just fucking draws Colonel it out. Hans Landa is uh, his name in Inglorious Bastards. So many Germans in that movie. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. No, I mean, you know, Tarantino's he wants to make a movie. He has a vision and he wants certain people to be in his movie. Although it would be kind of funny if he like whitewashed like slavery in that movie and like all the slaves were white. Like <laughs> Ben Affleck is one of the slaves. <laughs> the Last Samurai starring Tom Cruise. Um <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Paul Mooney. Um For real. The uh yeah, oh god, what was I just gonna say about Django? Dude, Django's Django's great though. One of the things that I was thinking of when I was watching that is um it's like what you said, you know, it's not like you know, we're not getting political, it's like very real. And like that line that um you know that Django has the uh you know, he just you know, I know Americans better than he does, or he doesn't know Americans as well as I do, and just like how that's like an actual reflection of like who we are as as an, as a society. Um because we are all pieces of shit in some way uh, as Americans and just like the American way of like thinking and uh, no, and, like, I don't things. think, I don't well, think every like, our American system. Is. No, not every American, but like the system that we live in, you know, oh, yeah, like, we're just, used to it. Yeah, exactly. We're just used to it. You know, like we could, we could easily fix all of this and like not have like fucking big pharma and stuff like that. But like, we don't like, I like maybe it's cause we can't cause we as like normal people, like don't well, have the power. If you focus on what the film was talking about, which is the racial issue. 
it's um it does a good job of showing that and and uh i mean the prison system in america is is pretty is pretty racist objectively racist mm-hmm. it's hard to say it's not and how once again that stems from the, the era of slavery just nothing is done about it and as americans we just choose to accept the prison system as it is and one because we benefit as well i'm white but you know that's always the question right it's like well if only one percent of slave owners I'm sorry. If only one percent of the population were slave owners at the height of slavery, then you know why? Why did why did it take a war essentially to end it? Um, and, it's because I mean, all those people are living in the shacks, right? Well, because they all benefited from it one way or yeah. another, whether it's financially because they had jobs because of it, or whether it was psychological because I had I had my standing was higher than this person. I have to do. I can do literally nothing with my life. I could be a fucking bum. I don't have to work a day in my life. And just manage to get by, be an alcoholic, drug addict, but because you have, you know, because you have your skin color, you have this, this, you have that psychologically to stand on, which uh, once again, Tarantino does a great job of showing. Like these are fucking pieces of shit. Like not only are they racist, obviously, which makes them bad people, um, but just the fact that how they live is like you mm-hmm. know. And then the and then the use of the N word throughout the movie. Um, even Sam Jackson, the first time he sees Django on the horse, refers to him, drops the N bomb bunch. And you know, part of you, you the, the, we're used to this word as being used socially as you know, um, like nothing. You know, doesn't really mean much. But when you hear it coming from a slave, it sh- first it shows how evil he is because that's how he views any black person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, when you say we, you mean like the society during, like uh, at that time during. Like that period where Django is being um, held is what you're talking about. Like we as a society don't see that. Or are you talking about like now as well? Even modern society, we don't, you know, if you, you know, obviously if you hear someone who's black say that word, you really don't think much about it because it's just such a, it's Mm. such a word you you hear frequently in pop culture. Uh, Obviously not saying everyone who's black uses that word. Plenty of people don't, plenty of people are offended by that word, no matter what race they are. Uh, but hearing, but hearing Sam Jackson use that word, you have to remember this isn't 2021 where you hear this, you know, using music and stuff like that. This is the 1850s, and he's meaning it in its ra- in its most racially charged way. Yeah, and then they also do a good job of desensitizing the viewer to that word because of how, and you, no one knows how frequently that word was used. Probably a lot because it's you know, slave owners is, is the bare minimum here. So I feel like everything that falls from slave owners is pretty bad, but <clears throat> the, how being able to use that word so many times that it just becomes you become kind of numb to it. Uh, I think he that that wasn't used as a shock value. Like, look how many times I've been use this word in this movie. It's look how I can change how you hear this word and how you view this word and how it how it changes within you. And I think he does a great job of that. And once again, people hear what they want to hear. If you want to hear a word and get offended by it. Of course, you have every right to do that, but uh, I think you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things uh, that I thought of when I was watching Django to to kind of go back to that is like, oh, here it goes. Oh, he's finally back. There he uh, is, finally. Mike, Mike is finally uh, here. Fuck, I've never left. This is not Mike. This is Mike's cousin, Mikhail. I'm interested oh. in three-way with Brown Boy and the Jewish one. 
Oh, really? Khabib, how do you come. feel about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Khabib, how are you, my friend? Oh, I remember you. Oh, that. In seriousness, though, in seriousness, though, um, I heard you motherfuckers are looking for some doctors without borders. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, doctor, you heard us wrong. Doctors without orders. We want you to just give us all of the pills. Fuck that, dude. Yeah. I take my orders. I take my orders hey, like script, script, vitamins, script. bro. I mean, with that script. Yeah, and it was just, it's interesting to see um, that, like, Quentin Tarantino is able to like take on like again like the movie in itself isn't like super political but if you really start to like dive into it it's like oh no like all of this shit is still happening even today nine years later you know and uh and it, it kind of just goes it just boils back and when I heard that line like he doesn't know Americans like I do that was the thing that triggered that I love that where line. it's like oh man like Quentin Tarantino like gets this you know what i mean and like it's crazy to me that like a white writer and director was able to like write such a good movie that just really captures like the plight of like minorities and like and like and almost pretty accurately show like what times were like back in the 1850s and how a lot of those things that like were happening are still happening now you know and that it is a reflection of our times it's not that you know, it's the not sets. just an 1850s thing. Like that is still happening now. It was happening in 2012. It's happening now in 2021. Still, like it's it's a very relevant movie. Um, if you want it to be, in that vein, the scene, the sets for that movie are incredible. Like it does such a good yeah. job of taking you to that time period so yeah. well. For what scene? Oh, the sets. Every the sets scene. Are yeah, the sets and every Django. and like I, uh, yeah, like. The, they're riding through the town, and then when they, you know, when they first kills the yep. uh, the sheriff, oh man, like that town just feels real. It was great. I I always think about the uh, the plantation that they go to, Leonardo DiCaprio's plantation. It's always really like big. Like if you think of a southern plantation in the the, the early nineteen hundreds or whatever it fucking was, it was uh, that that was uh, that's pretty much what you would picture. But I also liked how they didn't. Um, shy away from the n-word in this movie because like a lot of these movies that have that kind of like um stuff back then that they won't like they'll just be like you know what i mean they won't say that kind of stuff but it's like those people that's how they talk back then like you know like not everyone was fucking like, like leonardo you know, DiCaprio so, like, doesn't know any better he was just raised in the 1850s you know, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but that's the thing. Like they just—it's not even that. It's like that's—they're so racist. But that's the thing. Like they, those those humans were viewed as objects, and you take an object and you review, yeah. you remove all humanity. You give a human an object and a name as an object, and that's what you get. And you know, you're not telling the full story if you're shying away from that. You're telling a water. You're honestly, that's literally white. Not literally, because that's not what it literally means. But figuratively, yeah. that's whitewashing the fucking truth. You got to tell the truth. Yeah, it's not like, 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 not every story is gonna like. Especially back then, it's not gonna be like fucking Lethal Weapon with Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. Like, you know, like, oh, dude, I'm a plantation owner, and like, it's a buddy slave comedy. Like, that's not usually that's not how it goes. <laughs> like, even the ones that did want to help him, sure like, do, I would boy. watch that movie. But, like, even the ones that did help him, like, in 12 Years a Slave, like, uh, Benedict Cumber, uh, Khan. 
was like, uh, yo, I, I'm, I'm going to help you out, bro, but, like, I can only go so far. Like, I'm not, I ain't looking to get, I'm not that down with the movement yet, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why Dr. Like, Schultz is a real one, dude. He's the real, yeah. he's the only real one. He's the only decent white person. <laughs> <laughs> he's for his <laughs> he does. And we were talking before about how, like, a big fucking pistol. I want to know what caliber that was. Because he got shot with a shotgun or a pistol? Or the it little pistol. It's one of those sleeve ones. No, he, that's what he shoots Leo with, but he gets shot with a shotgun. That's off. right, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The guard next yeah. to Leo blows him away with a shotgun. That, like, uh, boulder cap fucking guy. Yeah, that guy actually uh, coincidentally plays uh, Raiden in uh, Kill Bill Annihilation. I can't remember the dude's name. Oh, James uh, Reamer. Did you say Kill Bill? Kill Bill Annihilation? No. Oh. Oh, okay. I said Mortal oh, yeah, Kombat yeah, yeah, Annihilation. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, the guy that plays yeah. Raiden, the yeah, guy that got yeah, recast got, as Raiden, is the guy that kills Schultz yeah. and Highlander. He's in Highlander too. Is he? Oh yeah, he's also in Black Lightning. He plays Gambi in Black Lightning. He's in a bunch of shit. He's got uh, one of those voices though. James that's Reamer. Just like fucking. He should do more voice acting. He has a really good voice. He does have a good voice. James Reamer is one of those guys that, like, if you were to see a picture of him, be like, oh yeah, like I've seen him in a bunch of shit. And it's like, yeah, you have, but nobody can remember his name. It's like, uh, there's a dude who's on Mom. He plays a guy in a wheelchair, and he's in like every movie ever fucking made. And you're just like, what the fuck's his name? Like, there's a big uh, there's a lot of actors movie. like that. There's a couple of them. Uh, yeah, there's a few of them. Did Django win any awards? I think it did. It was definitely nominated. So Christoph Waltz won best performance uh, by supporting actor. Uh, as he should have. Uh, Tarantino won Best Writing Original Screenplay. They were nominated for Best Picture of the Year, Best Achievement in Cinematography, and Best Achievement in Sound Editing. What won the Oscars that year uh, for Best Picture? Was it 2011? No, 2013. Movie came out in 2012, so it was the 2013 Oscars. Uh, Argo won. Yes. Argo? Argo. Argo's good. Argo? I think Jane was better than Argo. Django or, or Argo was solid. I've that never actually seen Argo, but now I kind of want to. It's not bad. I think Django was better, though. The soundtrack for Django, I always forget about. That was underrated, too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it really is a good uh, Western. I was telling um, Joe last night yeah. that, like, after, so after college, which is when Django came out, uh, I was doing some like part time like home uh, like healthcare work and like helping take care of like old people and stuff. And there was just one old guy I used to help take care of who all he would watch was westerns on like the Showtime Western channel. Uh, so I didn't watch yep. westerns prior yeah. to Django coming out, but I've watched a shitload of westerns and like spaghetti westerns since then yeah. because of this guy, John Wayne's and all that. Yeah, and just yeah, and like this is re- this really is a good Western movie because like everything, even like the Django theme song, you know, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. God, yeah. what was the name of that show that I used to watch? Django. Bet uh, Bet Masterson. <laughs> I have the soundtrack. I actually downloaded it after I saw the movie. I love it. <laughs> I'm reading this quote on uh, Sam Jackson gave on Jackie Brown. Is <laughs> another Tarantino movie. Absolutely hysterical. Sam Jackson's the man. Because Spike Lee has a big problem with the fact that Tarantino uses the uh, N-word uh, a lot in his movies because he's a white guy. 
Yeah. So, so, uh, so uh, Sam Jackson says, black artists think they're the only ones allowed to use the word. Well, that's bull. Jackie Brown is a wonderful homage to black exploitation films. This is a good film, and Spike hasn't made one of those in a few years. <laughs> a spike. Sam Jackson is that man can't catch a break. Um, real quick, he's jumping back to fan. westerns, he is. Uh, he's a Knicks fan. You're right. Uh, just real quick, jumping back to westerns. If you ever get the chance to somehow watch the TV show Bat Masterson, which was a western that was like recorded and, and like filmed in like 1958, and like the theme song, and that reminds me of the theme song from like Django, where it's like. Um, I can't remember all of the words, but it's like, he's Fat Masterton, you know, and it's just like this, like, very, like, goofy, fucking corny yeah. thing. And, like, it's, it, it was enough of a theme song that I remember that part. Did you ever see, um, Netflix did a, a Coen Brothers movie, um, Bucky, uh, ah, fuck. The Ballad of, uh, uh, oh, God. It was like a, like a four oh, the one with, uh, James Franco? Yeah, and, um, God, what's his name? Oh, I'm drawing a blank. But he was in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But that was that was a decent western. Oh, Tim Blake Nelson is who you're talking Tim about. Tim Blake Nelson. God damn it. Couldn't think of it. Yeah, because as soon as I, I just Googled it, the show or the movie, whatever, was uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Buster Scruggs, yeah. Dude, that, that's, that's a pretty decent movie. If you like the Coen Brothers. That's... What was the other one? Oh, uh, True Grit. Uh, is w- another western that they did. Oh, they did True Grit. Yeah, with uh, what's his name, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, that was a good movie. The original True Grit is also Damon. really good. I don't know if you have ever seen it, but yeah, Matt Damon yeah, was in it John too. Yeah, but yeah, no, Django's good. I I honestly think that uh, that should have won the Oscar, man. For I I haven't seen like half the movies that were up for the Oscar yeah. for Best Picture that year. But I was gonna say, Django what else was nominated that year? Argo, obviously. Yeah, Argo. Man, Michael Madden has been in so many Tarantino movies. Holy shit. Yeah, All right, so 2013, the 85th Academy Awards. Uh, Best Picture, uh, Argo. So these are the movies that we're up for. Argo, uh, Amour, which I'm assuming was um, a French film, maybe? Uh, yeah, French language, romantic romantic drama. Uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Django Unchained, Unchained Les Mis. Uh, Life of yeah, Pi, yeah. Lincoln, uh, Silver Linings Playbook, and Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, it wasn't a good year. Lincoln, I'm surprised Lincoln didn't win. Daniel Day Lewis won Best Actor though that year. I know that, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. I, I'm glad that Django got uh, some things though. Yeah. But yeah, I think so. For me, after. Uh, watching Jackie Brown and Glorious Bastards yesterday. Uh, yeah, how was Jackie only Brown? Two Tarantino movies. All right, you want me to go into Jackie Brown first? Yeah, I, I'll go into Jackie Brown. So Jackie Brown, I liked it. It's not Tarantino's best movie, and part of me wonders if that's because it's not his story. Like he took a a book, I think it was called like Rum Punch, um, and he adapted it into a movie. Um, so I kind of want to read the book now. Um, Cause the story was good, but like, it didn't feel like a Tarantino movie. There were like yeah. elements of it. Like you could tell it was a Tarantino movie heard. in the way that it was like shot. You haven't seen it. 
No, not in years. Like, only once. I was very young when I saw it. Oh, okay. That's fair. Um, yeah, so, like, it's... Like, you could tell it's a Tarantino movie with, like, the way that some of the shots are set up. Um, and, like... And, like, the lighting. But, like, overall, like, it didn't feel like a Tarantino story, even though he did adapt this book into a screenplay. But, like, ultimately, like, the story wasn't his. Like, he was just retelling a story. And it even says in the opening credits, like, you know, based on the book, you know, rum punch by, um, by whoever. Um, and what I was telling Joe last night, because I watched that last night before I went to bed, um, a lot of Tarantino's movies feel like westerns like they they do feel like westerns like when i watch tarantino flick i almost kind of get like this like yeah feels like a western like a yeah reservoir dogs is like a western yeah like there's this element a lot of elements of westerns in his movies that um and like they all just kind of have like that kind of like western feel to it uh django b and like it's all it's always steady, steady, steady. and then there's like a big part like something happens. Like there's a huge, like someone usually dies yeah. and kind of goes from there and tapers off. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see a correlation between that but and westerns. With, like Kill Bill, a lot like a western. Kill Bill's like a western, yeah. But Jackie Brown, this is what I was trying to articulate to Joe last night after watching it. Felt like a like a noir, like a film noir. Like it was, but it, oh, yeah. it would have been, I guess, like a new noir because it's like a you know a new. It was in color and shit, but like I had a lot of just like Dick Tracy vibes and like Casablanca vibes and like yeah. things like that. Like the like elements in those types of movies are what I felt in Jackie Brown because it's like a it's a heist movie kind of, but it's like a crime trying to like detective solve like a thing, but like not really. I don't know. Yeah, isn't she like a like, like a queen pin or something like that? So uh, yeah, Samuel Jackson plays a. Uh, uh, like an illegal arms uh, dealer. Um, and Jackie Brown is uh, an airline pli- uh, pilot who like flies, I guess like all of Samuel L. Jackson's money is in Mexico. And what she does is like she, when she flies to Mexico for work, she gets his money and like brings it back with her and then like gives the money to him and shit. And, you know, she plans like this big heist where she's going to like rob. She decides to like, cause she gets caught by the cops so she's like working with the cops, but then she's also working with Samuel L. Jackson, who knows that she's working with the cops. But then she decides to double cross both of them and then run off with like the bulk of the money. It was like five hundred thousand dollars. Kind of sounds like they departed a little bit. Kind of, yeah. Um, just a lot of double crossing and shit, but it it, it was solid. I did enjoy it. Um, I mean, it, it grasped my attention. So that one was solid, but I think Inglorious Bastards might be. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it, it's the best. I maybe Django is the best one that he's made. I'm not sure, but Inglorious Bastards. I can't believe I had never seen that movie. I can't believe it took me this long to finally oh, watch Inglorious Bastards. That's what I'm saying. Is like I thought that you'd seen that. Like no, no, like literally not until yesterday. Uh, yesterday morning is when I uh, uh, started watching it. That movie was fantastic. It, it it's just so goddamn good. So goddamn good in, in a. That's why I just I think that you you could definitely say that that's that's one of his best his best movie. Like when people say that's his best movie, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see that. Like, but for me, I think Django is his best movie. I think it's his most complete. Um, because Inglorious Bastards even feels like 
there's there's certain parts in it where it's like um like people just die and it's so unsatisfying and i know that's like almost like a staple for tarantino but like in uh django it's like when everyone dies in that movie it's like there's always an emotional like weight to it like there's a catharsis like when leo gets shot his character gets shot like you're happy he dies like when uh christopher waltz's character gets killed like you know you're like oh shit dude like he has this drawn out like little speech to him before he dies and stuff but like but in other movies it's like you know like mr uh like tarantino and reservoir dogs he gets killed off screen or well, not off screen but he dies there and he has very little lines or and mr blue dies off screen um fucking uh a bunch of people yeah, like the Bear Jews, mr. Blue and glorious bastards he gets blown up for like you know there's there's no ending to his story his story doesn't really have any like significant like weight to it besides the fact that he was a scary dude he used to beat up nazis other than that he just like has a suicide attempt but um yeah. that movie to me was just like it was just every yeah, character that, that was mission kind of, was like, always a suicide mission yeah yeah but like it just feels like there's there's a lot of un not unnecessary deaths but like uh unsatisfying deaths in some of his movies and uh with Django, it kind of felt like everything was justified and kind of like everything was tied up beautifully with it with a nice little knot mm-hmm. on it so yeah Django might be his most complete movie like it's it's just such an easy story to tell too like it's 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 compelling right from the beginning like i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot this slave owner i'm looking for yeah. i haven't seen it in so long it's so good though the brothers he's looking for i just love brothers. it when they come back and they shoot him like, he gives him the gun, <laughs> they just blast him in the first, like, ten sec, like, fucking ten minutes. And it's just, like, it's so bloody and gory, it just explodes everywhere. Oh. Yeah, no, ah, oh, god, I don't know, it's a, it's a fucking toss-up for me. It really is. Just because, like, um, before you got here, I was telling Joe, like, Django 2, like, pretty closely follows uh, the hero's journey as well. Like, oh, the yeah. first character you yeah. meet after you meet Django is the supernatural aid like who's Christoph yeah. Waltz who like gives him the skills necessary to become a bounty hunter and be able to like go on this quest of like redemption and revenge and like get his wife back and like get his his life back together and and stuff like that and just um and that one's pretty linear too like there's a couple of flashbacks yeah. but that's that's what it is it's flashbacks and it's like a it's a linear story and Glorious Bastards becomes linear but that one's broken up into chapters so that one's like yes. a book, you know. You the first and the first person that you meet is like not even in the movie for that long. It's just like that French dude with his daughters, you know, yeah, on the dairy farm. And then you meet Christoph Waltz's character, you know, who uh, who's just there as what do they call him, the Jew hunter, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and then, but then it's broken up into chapters. So you know, then he comes back later, and even Brad Pitt though in that movie was supposed to die. The only reason why Brad Pitt doesn't die in Inglorious Bastards. Is because um, he gets taken there after uh, Diane Kruger uh, gets killed by Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz was so fucking good in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, so good. And it's That's Joe was like, I, I don't know if you recorded it at that point. <laughs> yeah, is that what you say in America? Uh, actually, it's just bingo. <laughs> I love Brad Pitt's uh, when he's trying to be Italian. Buongiorno. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like he played a really good, just like. Um, just like American, a hard I guess. You know what I mean? Military. 
That was probably his most versatile yeah. role, I would say, out of all the movies I've seen with Brad Pitt in it. Like, I don't, he's, he's just You Brad all Pitt. owe me a debt. A uh, debt of 100 Nazi scalps. Nazi scalps. I love the scene at the end of Inglorious Bastards where B.J. Novak is skinning the dude's head as he's like they're talking to Christoph Waltz, you know, yeah. and like they keep cutting back to B.J. Novak just like scalping the dude, and he's just like very casual, like, "Yep, no, that sounds good to me, sir." You know, <laughs> just like yeah. you know. yep. Quentin Tarantino also does this really good job of taking like very serious scenes. I was saying this to Joe before we were recording, and like adding like elements of humor. And maybe when I stepped away, just real quick, you guys might have been talking about that too, but like. Like the scene in Inglorious Bastards, like where the the Ku Klux Klan is there, they're getting ready to hunt Django and yeah. uh, and Doctor Schultz, and like they're just having the whole conversation yeah. about the hoods and the masks. You know, it's like, well, we can't see shit. And then Jonah Hill takes off his mask and he tries to rip more. It's like, shit, I just I just made it worse. You know, it's like, well, how about this time we go no masks, and next time, you know, we 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 do masks. Then and it's like, no, we're going masks. It's like, yeah, but nobody can see. <laughs> And like just taking this like very serious scene, it's like they're about to go kill these two guys. <laughs> yeah, and then just like it just captures the stupidity of those people so great. Like that was that whole scene to me. It was like it was just like yeah, like he just he captured the stupidity of those like just the small mindedness of those guys, like that whole group of people, and then like how yeah, how dumb uh, they of were. the Nazis. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, even in the, uh, the, the Pulp Fiction, uh, movie when, uh, Tim Roth is robbing, uh, that, that whole, uh, uh, restaurant, like that's a very intense the diner scene. scene. Yeah. yeah. And then like, he breaks it up with some funny shit that goes down. He's like, I forgot Tim Roth was in that says, movie. Yeah. This badass motherfucker on it. Wh- which wallet is yours? The one that says yeah. badass motherfucker on it. <laughs> yeah. This one? <laughs> All right, honey. I forgot Tim in that movie. Yeah. yeah, dude, Tarantino's um, he's great, man. I'd like to see him do a comic book movie. I really would. I feel like he would be able to do like uh, like give him a character like Punisher or something like that. Like one of those like oh, uh, kind of like more gory, yeah. you know, characters. Like one there, uh, even like Spawn. Like I would love to see him oh, do like God, Spawn. Dude. Like I feel like he would do a really good job Spawn at that. Would be a fucking awesome Tarantino movie. Um, speaking of Django, they they had a Django uh, Zorro crossover. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I just I just saw that a little while ago. So like, I kind of want to yeah. buy that. I think it was a comic. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> Did you hear that? Is Joe sleeping? Joe just snored. Yeah, Joe literally just snored. What fat piece of shit, dude. I'm gonna get a fucking, uh, I was like, man, he's quiet. He's been like really quiet for a while. Good. Dude, fuck him. I haven't indeed oh, thought. <laughs> That's what a dad would say, dude. Happy Father's Day. Happy belated Father's yeah. Day. Thank you. I'm fucking beat, dude. I got like no sleep last night. That's what you That's get, why dude. I just uh, don't don't leave yet because you're the only one that can control Craig. Uh, yeah, and no, I'll just be here snoring. That's, that's it's even better. It really ties into your character, though, of uh, just being a lazy piece of shit. Like, I'm <laughs> fucking again. I said it in the. Don't forget to check out Sports Casual with Joe and Shem on, uh, you know, which is now part of the Now This Is Podcasting family. Um, we've done one episode um, without Mike, and we'll probably do another episode. You probably without will. Mike. Yes. This is like, uh, like if we're Blink One Eighty Two, 
Joe and I just did a Tom DeLonge, Travis Barker thing. Like, Joe, though, is Tom DeLonge, and I'm Travis Barker, because he was like, yo, do you want to go do this other thing with me? And I was like, yeah, sure, I guess. Like, I'm not, I got nothing else to do right now. Like, we're... You mean Mark Hoppus, right? No, you're Mark Hoppus. Joe's Tom DeLonge, and I'm Travis Barker. I've got the, I've got the most tattoos out of all of us. (laughs) That's it. That's really the only thing I have in common with Travis Barker. For, like, a year. Um... If anyone's Dude, uh, we all played the drums in kindergarten. No, that's not true. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. But yeah, I don't know. I'm. You guys might be right. Django might be. I used to think that Kill Bill, Kill Bill was definitely my favorite Tarantino movie. Um, but I don't think it is anymore. I really don't. It's amazing how quick that dropped. Dude, and I used to think it was his best one. And I still kind of do. Pulp Fiction, I used to think, was his best movie. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't blame you for that either, though. Pulp Fiction, I know, because Pulp Fiction, when you go back and rewatch it, like, there's so many good fucking parts in that movie. Oh, yeah. If you, if you look at it from, like, a different perspective each time, you get a different kind of feel for the movie, which, which is another thing that yeah. I really liked about that. Like, there's so many yeah, different stories that are sure. intertwined. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw that movie, I was, like, so confused. I was like, wait, like, John Travolta's in it, then he gets he shot coming out of the bathroom, and then he's in it again? Like, yeah. What? Because that one's, like, very nonlinear. That one's, again, chapters as well. I think it was you that was telling me that, like, Tarantino, like, writes um, movies like like a book, essentially. Like, he comes up with, yeah. like, a story and tries to do it, like, in the, the same vein as you would, uh, like, a novel. God, there was a couple of scenes... Inglorious Bastards, going back to the first episode that we did here on Quentin Tarantino, you were saying that a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies feel like plays. And I saw that in Glorious Bastards, because in Glorious Bastards, yeah. there's that whole scene where um uh the French woman um who's also the Jewish woman that escapes in the beginning, um, it's like right before they do her big thing, like her big job at her cinema where she's getting ready to like burn it down and shit. Um, they show her like getting like dressed and like doing her makeup and then the way that the camera follows her it's like above so you're like you're looking down on the camera and like she walks out of the room and then like it pans over so it's all like just like one big open set with the camera above just following her and it's like one take and that felt like a play because it's like that's how it would be in a play like you would you know you'd be in one room and then like you would kind of like walk through but it's like a different perspective like if it was a play like we'd see the room on like stage left or right and then we would see her like walk out and like go down a staircase and stuff like that so that and i was like oh shit like mike has been saying this entire time that a lot of quentin tarantino movies also feel like plays just like with the sets and like the way that things are set and that's another thing too i noticed with him and i can't remember if i said it on the first podcast um part one of this or if it was in between but like a lot of his shots and like he does it I can't say he doesn't ever do it, but like you know how a lot of movies they do the three camera setup. So they have the 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 kind of like landscape shot, and then they have the two cameras pointing at the faces. And when yeah. people are talking, a lot of times what they do in movies is like they'll show you from the perspective of person A as person yeah. B is talking. Then when person A starts talking, they'll switch to the camera. That's would be from like person B's perspective, and you just like see their faces. But Quentin Tarantino, yeah. again, going into the plays, he does a lot of the landscape shots where yeah. you don't you don't get the, and he does it sometimes. So I can't say that he never does like, Oh, now it's like this person is talking and we're going to focus. No, on but he utilizes a lot one. of like dialogue within the scene of people moving, which yeah. is uh, one of the yeah, big ones too. And it's just like a lot of, fiction. a lot of scenes like this, just like, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Like like Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction? Uh, that that scene where uh, Sam Jackson gives his famous uh, his Ezekiel whatever speech. Uh, that also felt like a, a scene from a play as well. But it also uh, there's a lot of parts in that where like they're talking and like someone else is talking, but in the same room. But it's not like close up on them because they're having dialogue. Or, you know, I think. I think at one point, uh, John Travolta's standing next to him and he says some shit and you don't even really see him, like, look up or anything. He just keeps talking, like, he's looking at the briefcase and shit. And, like, that that's just, like, I don't know why, but for me, that just makes it more authentic to me. Because if you close up on a person every time they have dialogue, it's just fucking, it takes you immediately. I don't know, it's, like, om- o- almost overdramatic. You know, like, soap, like, Spanish soap opera. Yeah, there was a scene that I was thinking of in Jackie Brown uh, yesterday. That I was like, oh, this is that, where Robert De Niro and Samuel L. Jackson are in a car. De Niro's in that? Yeah, which is, like, really cool, because, like, Robert De Niro's, like, fucking taking bong rips and shit. Like, it's just, like, a really weird, like, role for him. Dude, yeah, you gotta you gotta watch it. Um, I give you access to my Google Play through that family account thing, so you, you should watch that at some point. Because uh, it is a good movie. Um... But like the uh, the scene there in the car or there like in a van, uh, Robert De Niro is like sitting at the driver's seat and he's looking out of the front of the car window, like through the windshield. So you see his back of the head, like he turns his head a couple of times, but then Samuel Jackson is like turned talking at him. So you only see the left profile of Samuel Jackson. Yeah, yeah. They're not looking at the camera yep. and like it feels a, very real. Yeah. And what I was telling Joe is that like a lot of the a lot of Quentin Tarantino's movies like, obviously, like, they're going to be shot from a certain point of view. But um, the way that Quentin Tarantino movies feel, it's like, it's almost like third person, first person, which is like a terrible way to describe yeah. it, where it's like, it's third person in the sense that you're observing everything that's going on, but you're doing it from, like, that scene in particular, like, when you're in the car, it's like, you're actually in the car. It's like, you're in the back seat, and, like, you're watching this. You're not getting, like, now you're seeing Robert De Niro's face, now you're seeing... Tarant- uh, Samuel L. Jackson's face. Now you're seeing this face. Now you're seeing this face. It's just like it would be like if you were sitting in the back of the car watching yeah. this happen. <laughs> Same with uh, uh, Pulp Fiction when he shoots Marvin. Like a lot of that scene is uh, when when uh, they're they're talking and having their dialogue is pretty much from Marvin's perspective for most of it, and then it, it kind of brings it out. Yeah. And then they had their they hit that bump and then he shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> Philomar. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like when you, when you do the 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 cameras like one in three thing, when you're like now looking at person's A perspective and then person B's perspective, and like you're just getting the close ups on the face, like yeah, that's first person point of view. You know, it's first person from the character, and like you're seeing you're seeing that as opposed to third person, where it's less like you're an outside observer. So it's like there's Joe snoring. That's absolutely hysterical. Um, and I was wondering too, like how much of that shit when he was doing that stuff was because it was low budget indie films. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we can't have nice things, dude. Tomorrow the dude's gonna be awake. We're gonna be watching the Yankees game. He's like, yo, now that Mike's at work, dude, let's let's fucking let's record an episode of a fucking sports thing now, dude. Ripping lines like dude, dude, I'm wide awake, man. I barely got sleep. (laughs) Fucking drinking coffee. You can't stop me. I'm bulletproof. Running through walls. 
we have an intellectual conversation about a film, though. I mean. Yeah, one of the things that I liked about Inglorious Bastards was um, that that movie's like a, a tragedy. Like everyone dies. Like I, I oh, said I before, like um, Brad Pitt was it's supposed like Rogue to die. One. Like that was a suicide mission. It is yeah. a lot like Rogue One, but like um, and there's like I think the best scene in that movie for me, just like uh, I think it's the scene where the French woman dies. You know, because oh, yeah. like she, again, also just like another suicide mission. Like all right, yeah. she had her uh, her partner. Yeah. Um, like lock the doors. Like they knew that they were going to die with these Nazis. Yeah. Like again, like everything in that movie was like, we're on a mission and we're going to fucking die, and yeah. like we're going to do it. Like even if we die, we're going to do it, and um, yeah. and we, we might have to die to achieve it. But like that scene where she's in the film, um, like production booth, and then yeah. um, uh, I think I was actually talking to you about it yesterday a little bit too. But when the uh, German actor playing the German actor, yeah, Daniel Greta, it was up. Yeah, what's his name? Daniel Zemo German. No, it's like Daniel Burrell or something. Something like that. Well, there's that scene where, like, um, but what he does is, uh, like, you know, he goes into the room and then, like, she shoots him in the back and then, like, he grunts and stops moving. So then she's like, oh, let me go flip this dude's body over to make sure that he's dead. And as soon as she flips him over, pop, 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 she's like shot in the stomach. And then she, and then she fucking starts bleeding out. And then, like, he dies after he kills her, and then she dies, and then the whole fucking place burns down, and it blows up. Like, it's just... Yeah. It was so good. It's, it was it's not so a happy good. ending. It's, uh... No, it, and one it, of the things it, I was it, saying yeah. to Joe... Well, as I was say, before you got on here, um, when I was just talking to Joe before we even started recording, was that, like, Quint, uh, or, um, Django might be, like, the happiest yeah. Tarantino movie. In a, in a, because like in, the in hero actually way. has like a happy ending yeah and again yes, there's like those moments where like dr schultz dies so it's not a happy ending because like yeah. you feel that loss too because like you yeah. don't want schultz to die because you actually like schultz as a character he's the only good white person in but jango achieves his goal at the end of it yeah and like, like just rides off wife. into the nighttime almost like yes. he, it's almost like he's riding off into the sunset but instead of a sunset yeah. it's a plantation it's burning to the ground yeah he just rides off with his wife into the distance, yeah. into the night, you know. I think that's to, why it's my favorite movie, honestly. It's just so good. It because like it like there's no the Tarantino only movie that I can think of. Like, I, how does Kill Bill end? Like, she, she doesn't. She doesn't die, does she? No, she doesn't die, but she does, and that's what I was telling Joe. I was like, Kill Bill, and I think that's why Kill Bill for me was always like his best movie because like one, you get two movies out of it, so like you just get a lot of character development in regards to sure. Thurman. And uh, so much and her backstory, in that. and like she, and it's a story of revenge, and that's like a kung fu flick. Yeah, but like Django, you're right. Like, uh, and that's why I like Kill Bill. Like, that's why I thought Kill Bill was his best movie because it was like a complete story, and like it's sad and tragic, but like it's also a happy ending. And like this woman, you know, Uma Thurman's character, like achieves. And I, I, I know a lot of people didn't like Kill Bill Volume Two because it was kind of slow, and you get a lot more just of the backstory, and like a lot of the action yeah. and shit was in Kill Bill yeah. Volume One. If I remember correctly, um, Two is a little bit slower. Yeah, that's where you see her like training kung fu and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, and uh, most of her, yeah, and just like even the backstory with like Bill, like, and you get to meet Bill, like it's just um, not a lot of action in that one either. I don't think. No, but it's a good movie. It's like a it really is good, good movie. Very good. And, it, and again, it's like, the, and I could, I could definitely see why people think that's the weaker of the two. 
and like one of the things that I want to say too is about like Inglorious Bastards, and one of the reasons why I think it might actually be my favorite now, um, is that movie captured me right away. Which you have to put credit on the directing and the acting in that scene. Yeah. But like right when it opens up, like you see like the the French dairy farmer. It's like okay, like this is a dairy farmer. I know it's taking place in Nazi Germany, selling his daughters to get in the house, probably to tell the Jews uh, that they're they're keeping safe to like hide and. And stuff like that, right? Yeah. And, but you don't see any of that stuff, right? Just knowing when it's set, though. And then Christoph Watts's performance, like that whole scene where they're just like talking in English, where they're going through, like yeah. I was, I was caught, like the, that movie, yeah. like captured yeah. my interest, like right away, and I was fucking invested. Like I started watching it at the laundromat, and then I came home. I live like twenty five minutes from there, so I, like I drove home, got back, and I still had to finish folding my laundry because I stopped folding my laundry because I was just watching was Inglorious watching, Bastards, yeah. and I couldn't. Yeah look away like the movie that movie fucking pulled me in like it was it's funny you say that because uh, a lot of people when it came out a lot of my friends uh like i think it was either logan or Corey, and a couple other people i think it was uh kenny they they, uh they were saying that um they couldn't get into it because of the subtitle and i was like i really like it bothered you that much like and I know that there's a decent amount in it, but, like, to me, it wasn't, like, the whole movie was fucking, like, you know, bam, 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 like, like, like a foreign film or anything like that. Not that foreign film. Like, the weight of that, like, doesn't take away from, like, the movie. I don't know. No. No, I agree. I mean, I like watching, like, uh, it's kind of funny, like, when I watch anime, I prefer dubbed over sub, which I know is, like, a big thing. Like, people are, like, but it's, I think it's because it's a cartoon, and when I watch cartoons, I'm just sitting down to, like, watch cartoons. But I have no problem watching like yeah. a kung fu flick that's you know spoken in like Chinese or Japanese or whatever, um, yeah. and reading subtitles like that I don't mind at all. And maybe it's because it is live action. Like and in my brain, it's like oh, if it's a cartoon, like I'm sitting down just chilling. Like I don't have that you know neurological pathway built into my brain to be like I oh, know you <laughs> want to read the subtitles in this too. But talking about the subtitles, one of the things that I thought was really interesting talking about perspectives uh, whose eyes you're seeing yeah. the, the movie through when uh, Zemo and uh the cinema owner are having like lunch like she's at lunch and then like he shows up and they're talking and she's like oh you yeah, must be a like, awkward shit. yeah yeah and he's like oh he's like well i'm somebody like she's like you must be a big deal like are you somebody's son and he never says that he's an actor to her like he doesn't reveal that until like later on but people come no. up to him and start asking for his autograph and like you can hear parts yeah. of it in french but when they're speaking in german there's no subtitles and it's like you're from her perspective now and you're watching it through her eyes. So you're, like, you're sitting there first person from her and like you as the yeah. audience don't know what they're saying in German. And it doesn't reveal that uh-huh. he's like an actor or anything like that. Cause like we don't know because we're her at that, that's that, that point in time, which I yeah, thought is just like right so right. fucking cool. Like, it's just like the fact that there's that's no subtitles. exactly how so, like, Tarantino don't know, probably like, saw it too when he shot it. I, like, I, yeah, I would, I, I, I would hope so, man. I like if he didn't do that on purpose. Like, yeah. It's like, it always drove me crazy, too, when, when I would watch movies and, like, it would be like, oh, this is Nazi Germany or, like, this is Jamaica and it's like, everyone's speaking fucking English and it just, it used to piss me off so much. But, yeah, like, I get it. I get that it's, like, yeah. easier to do it that way. But, like I said, Tarantino's movies, he, he, he doesn't shy away, you know, taking you and putting you in, a, in an uncomfortable place, whether it be, like, like feeling wise or understand like the language that's being spoken around you. Do you think that Quentin Tarantino 
is the best director of our generation. Which is a very just like blatant yes or no question. I mean, can we throw out some other like directors from our generation? Like, who would you put up there? Like, is maybe not the best, but is Quentin Tarantino one of the best directors of our generation, of our lifetime? Like, he's been oh, directing movies since we've been born. Without a doubt. Would he ever be put on like the Mount Rushmore of like directors from this past 30 years? Yes, I think that's not even a question. Yeah, that's that's not even a So question. for if you had to put four yeah. directors on your Mount Rushmore of directors from nineteen ninety to present, the last you know thirty years of, of cinema, who would you put up there? That's the question I want to ask. That's a better question. I put Spielberg, Tarantino. You'd um, still put Spielberg up there. Yeah, I mean because he's really he done a lot made, recently. Uh, yeah, he did. He did uh, uh Schindler's List was made in the night. I'm saying uh, recently though, he hasn't done a whole lot. Oh, not recently, no. But I mean, he had like Saving Private. That's true. Ryan, he like, he was doing shit. You know. Um, yeah, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, E.T. Yeah. Uh, my oh shit. Jurassic Park. Did he do Jurassic Park? Yeah, I was gonna say. Did didn't he do Jurassic Park? Park? Yeah. The first one, at least. I don't think he did the second. Yeah. One. He might have did the second one. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah. I mean, Tarantino, Spielberg. Um. I guess Tim Burton, I could put up there. Mm. He, he's he's made some pretty iconic. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, as far as the '90s go, uh, and then I would probably put Joel Schumacher as far as the '90s. <laughs> well, '90s to now, '90s to now, not even just the '90s, like the last oh, 30 90s years. To now, I mean, of cinema. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know if that changes. Oh your no, 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 no! I'd probably put uh, David Fincher up there. I mean, he's done a shitload of good movies, like Seven. Uh, um, oh, David Fincher, yes, okay. And, um, he did Zodiac, really? Yeah, he did Zodiac. He did. Uh, oh, he did Gone Girl. Yeah, and the Gone Social Girl. Network. What? Yes, yeah, he did a bunch of movies. He directed. He's directed uh, ninety-four things, according to. Uh, uh, IMDb, 94 credits. Not all of them are movies, but... Yeah, he's solid. Interesting. Okay. So for the last 30 years of cinema, if you were to make a Mount Rushmore, you would have Quentin Tarantino, uh, Tim Burton, um, Steven Spielberg, and then David Fincher? Yeah. I think that's 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 a pretty mild... Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I agree. I forgot all about David Fincher. I didn't even know his name. Yeah, I know. Um, I was trying to think of directors, too, man, honestly. I was surprised it came up with Tim mm-hmm. Burton, but um, yeah, Spielberg was all over the night. That is true. He wouldn't be on mine. I think Tarantino would be on there. And sure, some of that is probably recency bias because I just watched uh, was it four <laughs> Tarantino movies in the course of yeah. three days. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I just fucking <laughs> so, you know, movies in my veins. So. Yeah, you know, some of that could be recency bias. I'm not gonna lie. Part of me for like the '90s to now, I want to put John Favreau. On there, yeah, that's yeah, especially that's, now yeah. for like the more like 2010s to now, like this like latter part of the decade, um, or like this last decade of that you know three decade window that I, I, I set for us. Um, I think he's been pretty influential, Tarantino, but I don't know who else I would put up there. I'm thinking about like movies that I like, um, 
that like really stick out to me. Part of me, like had the the fat Jersey boy in me, wants to say Kevin Smith, but like he doesn't belong on a on a Mount Rushmore of like influential directors. He's just like my favorite director because of the the ties to home. Like Kevin Smith grew up fifteen minutes from where I grew up. You know what I mean? Like, no, nobody knows who Kevin Smith is though. That's the thing. That nobody. I remember talking to people like when I was in grad school and shit, and people would be like. Kevin Smith, like the guy from like the IMDb stuff, you know what I mean? Oh, comic book man. It's like, yeah, but like, have you seen his movies? Like, Sam Raimi's arguable too. I could see that. Um, dude, I forgot about Christopher Nolan. Like, yeah, I gotta put Christopher Nolan on there. I'll take Schumacher out, put Nolan in. You know what? Nolan's, Nolan's not a bad choice because he's still putting out shit. Yeah. And, you know, he really covers that middle 2000s, like 2000 to 2010, yeah. you know, exactly. definitely in that era. He was that's when he was putting out his best shit for sure. Yeah. I mean, he had Inception, Interstellar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Dark Knight movies. Yeah. It's a good one. Like, all he doesn't make a bad. I still haven't seen his new one. Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan. Tim Burton and John Favreau. I think those would be my four. I think we're good for this episode, right? Yeah, I think um, I think we've exhausted everything that we can with Tarantino yeah. for yeah. the time being. I think I might go to bed. Let's try to let's try to wake up Joe. I'm here. All right. Well, now that Joe's back, thanks everybody for listening, dude. The the people who haven't listened to this podcast yet have listened more than you have, Joe. I'm, uh, this is why Shamri and I are divorcing you. I put a lot of work into producing this, so you're welcome for my hard work. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Joe. Um, uh, but yeah, no, thanks for listening uh, to Quentin Tarantino Part 1, Reservoir Dogs, and then Quit- Quentin Tarantino Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, um, you know, where we just kind of talked more about him as a director. And like, so, and, you know, and uh, Jackie Brown and Django and uh and Reservoir Dogs. That was um that was good. And on that note, uh Mike, thanks for uh being awake and for uh you know doing your job. Joe, what? you're a piece of shit. Uh that's not true. That's not true. <laughs>